Hey, what's up, everyone? Finally, man. We finally made this thing happen. So, for everybody that doesn't know, this is Sincere Hogan. And, um, got my man Mike Marler on the other line. What's up, man? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Looking forward to this. It's funny because every time you and I talk, I'm thinking we should be recording this. So exactly. Finally, finally, we're recording it, and now I'm starting to think, uh-oh, now that we're recording it, is that going to throw us off? <laughs> Bored out of the mind. Like, I thought these guys were interested. They're boring as hell on here. <laughs> so, yeah, I started to be real sneaky on some of our phone conversations, just start recording them anyway, but I didn't want you to be like later on that line, like, say, bitch, I didn't give you permission to do that. And plus, we may say some things that should not be public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't want that out. Come on. <laughs> I know a lot of fitness coaches where if they're on camera, they're really stiff, they're boring. But oh, my gosh. If they don't know they're on camera, like you just follow them around while they're doing their thing, super interesting, really charismatic, exactly. et cetera. So something about being recorded or being live or having a camera on you, it really throws people off their game. I see it all the time. Yeah. So I guess we let everybody know, like, first of all, this, this is a little different than what you would normally get from the both of us. This is not an interview. So, and this is not, um, like I said, or, or something we're pushing a product. Right now, what we're doing is this two dudes pretty much sharing our conversation with you. You know, I know a lot of people see a lot of the stuff that we do. We go back and forth like on Facebook. We'll crack jokes on each other or, I mean, plus just beyond that, just kind of want to, like after our workshops, you and I talk about this. When we're doing workshops, you know, a lot of people kind of want to pull us to the side and talk to us and they just feel like, hey, I don't want to waste those guys' times and things like that. Well, you know what? You know, we just started thinking like, why don't we just, start a podcast where it's laid back, no one has to feel like they're bothering us or the, you know, they're going to waste our time or anything like that, and we can talk about what the hell we want to. So it doesn't have to be just constrained within like that five or six hours of a workshop or something right. like that where we've got to stay on task, you know, as John Brookfield would say. <laughs> so <laughs> we can actually just make it laid back, relax, and like you said, man, just you know, to be so formal like some of these guys are when you turn the cameras on them, it's just all of a sudden they become – these broadcasts, they become Tom Brokaw all of a sudden. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I was about to say, when people, when people do their own show, they, they kind of go into that broadcast mode. And really the theme of this show, and we, we decided to call it the Live Life Aggressively show just because that branding already exists. A lot of people have read my book. I know you're a fan of my book. And more importantly, you live what I mean when I say live life aggressively. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted to collaborate with you is because – for people who don't know you, you're a real straight-up guy, and I knew that you wouldn't be boring at all because the last thing you want is people that are worried what people are going to think of them because that makes for extremely boring conversation. And really what a good podcast is, what a good show, the reason why people listen to a podcast or a show, whatever you want to call it, is that they want to hear a good conversation. Now, that's why people watch the Charlie Rose show or watch Larry King or now there's so many good podcasts out there like Joe Rogan's podcast is excellent. People tune into these things, and I include myself in this, because you want to hear a good conversation. You know, you may be someone out there who all your friends are a bunch of losers, and your family is just always down on you. And you might feel like, you know what, I'm alone in this. I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to improve. And everyone around me is just negative. They're a jack-off. They're bringing me down. So where can you go to plug into something where it gives you a charge? It makes you realize, you know what, there's other people out there just like me who want more out of life. They don't want to just live a boring nine-to-five existence where you wake up miserable every day and you punch in hours. They want to aspire to something else. And we've all been in that situation before. So really, really what I hope with this show more than anything else is that it acts as an igniter. 
something that just fires you up to keep doing what you're doing. Now, I believe that motivation has to be internal. So it's not like this show will take the place of the internal motivation that you need, but we all need that extra spark. That's why it's cool that you and me and people like Kim Blackburn, Steve Cotter, there's a group of us that are good friends, and it's cool for all of us because sometimes I I might not have anything going on and I'm kind of in a funk, and then I'll talk to you or Ken, and you guys are tearing it up doing cool stuff, and then I'm like, man, that's awesome, and that gets me out of that and vice versa. So it's kind of like we're we're taking the conversations that we would have one-on-one privately and basically broadcasting it out there as a way to not only be informative and entertaining, but just give people that extra surge they need to achieve whatever they're trying to do. Exactly. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why um, if you guys look at the banner that's on our Facebook fan page, that's why it says, you know, (laughs) and that's another thing I like about these podcasts. We can, be ourselves. So that's why it says bullshitter's discretion is advised. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, a lot of movies always say viewer discretion is advised. Look, if you're a bullshitter, <laughs> this, I can tell you right now, if you're a bullshitter, this podcast is going to make you freaking uncomfortable. Okay, yeah. because this is, I, I didn't want to use a typical no holes barred podcast. Fuck all that. <laughs> you know, so it's just, it's like I said, we're, we're pulling no punches here, but at the same time, you know, one thing about it, we respect the audience you know, and, you know, ask the same from them. But, like I said, we're not trying to go out and just be – I think people misconstrue – misconstrue the, the term – when you say live life aggressively, dude, I think so many people, like, get turned off when they don't really know right. exactly, you know, your platform, our platform is what we're about. They think, you know, when they see – in one sentence, they see live life aggressively. Next thing they see, testosterone. Then naturally <laughs> some people start getting put off. Well, that right there is a sign. Some things need to be – fixed in your life, okay, you need to take a look around who's around you right now, and this shouldn't, you should not feel uncomfortable when you see those things, in fact, you should get fired up, and like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about right there, and it doesn't mean go out and be a bully, you know, I mean, exactly. so, so yeah, man, just, it just drives me crazy when people see that, like, oh, man, you know, I mean, being aggressive, like, don't you think it's just kind of rough? Like, what? Aggressive doesn't – no, if somebody's being aggressive as, as far as terms of being a bully and, wants, you know, they want to bring people down, be negative or whatever, that's not being aggressive. That's being weak, right. <laughs> you know? It's just the opposite of aggressiveness. So it's just like you got to change your language, man. Yeah, true. And one of the definitions of aggressive is moving forward with strong purpose, and that's really what I think of when I think of oh, yeah. So it's like whether you're planning a workout or working on a business plan or whatever it is, you should have strong purpose with what you're trying to do. Otherwise, yeah. you're just living a very boring existence. Just quiet, up. It's kind of like desperation, quiet desperation where you're just – you're not excited at all. And I've been that guy before where I've done jobs I hate, and that's kind of one of the topics I wanted to get into today. But just real quick with the, where we're going with the show, Live Life Aggressively show is going to be about – getting out really good information that can help improve your life to simplify it. So whether it's fitness information, nutrition, hormone optimization, I know Sincere's working on a lot of really cool personal development stuff. We know a ton of people where we're going to get some great guests on a couple episodes down the road and really kick this thing into gear. But I wanted to be a show where you're coming to get information to improve every facet of your life, whether it's physical training, whether it's your, your nutrition, you want to improve your health, whether it's taking charge of your life and getting the career you've always wanted. Just exactly. something like that's what Live Life Aggressively is all about. And that's why when people read my book, they're often like, this guy's all over the place. There's so many different themes in here. And that was the whole point. I wanted to create an unconventional book which provokes thought. Because it's not yeah. about telling you how to live your life. You need to decide that. But you want to have thought provoked. And we don't get that a lot because 
Most TV is moronic reality TV crap. And the fact that reality TV is so successful is a sign of how desperate people are. (laughs) When in reality, those shows are scripted. It's basically just a bunch of unprofessional actors, amateur actors that are on a show. But that's how desperate people are for any kind of sense. And now with the internet, with podcasts, anyone can have their own radio show. I mean, that's essentially what this is. We don't need advertisers. We can fund this whole thing ourselves. So as you said, we can say whatever we want. We don't have to say, well, we can't say that because it's going to piss off our sponsor. So or what? we can't say that because it'll piss off the FCC and they'll, you know, they'll find us. Because trust me, I lived in that world for about 20 years, right. you know, where you couldn't play certain things, say certain things, just a certain way you say words or whatever. Oh, no, man, the FCC is going to find you. Well, guess what? Now they can't, mm-hmm. at least for right now. <laughs> Give them time. Yeah, so right now it's an interesting world we live in because anyone can have their own TV channel on YouTube. Anyone can have their own radio show via podcast, get it on iTunes, get it on the web, etc. You can have your own column via a blog. So it's a very interesting time in the sense that everyone kind of has a platform and a voice to say whatever they want to say on any topic. Now, in some ways, that's bad. That's why there's so much (laughs) there. But in some ways, overall, it's good because it, it allows people to get their voice out there. It also allows small businessmen like us to compete. With the big boys, like I can design my own nutrition supplements as I have and be very successful with that. Where 20 years ago, that would have been impossible. You would have needed a huge budget, advertising campaign, plenty of dough to get you through the first several months, if not years, until you're cash flow positive. Nowadays, you can design a supplement, work with someone. You can private label it fairly inexpensively. I mean, making your own supplements is not a walk in the park, but it's not impossible either. And I think more people would probably try to do it if they realized that. But I don't necessarily want more people to try to do it. <laughs> I'm going to keep well, something here's, I mean, here's the difference between that. Yeah, more people, you know, probably think about it. But once they realize, you know, the crap they have to go through to make it, to get it off the ground. You know, you and I were talking about this last week, just the, the right. things done with the manufacturers, making sure the formula actually works and, you know, and actually trying the product yourself, making sure, you know, the trial and error, being your own lab rat right. instead of just being a lab rat for another company. It's not like you can say, oh, I'm going to put out this protein powder, you know, and I'm going to put it out in a month. Well, if it's going to be quality protein protein powder, I mean, seriously, dude, it's not going to be a month. You'll be happy if you can get it off the ground within a year or two years. If, and that's because you're busting your ass every day to make it happen. But you know what? It's funny because just like before we started, you know, started the call, it's just like you were saying. But the thing about it, when you're passionate about what you're doing, it won't even freaking matter, man. It won't even matter. And that's so. what I wanted to talk to you about today is people always have this kind of dilemma in their mind. Should I do the practical path so I can make a good income, provide for my family, et cetera, or should I follow my passion and not make any money? And people still have this notion in their mind that if, you, if your life is exciting and you're really going after something that you're passionate about, somehow you're sacrificing making a good income. And I couldn't disagree with that more. I think it's more the opposite, actually, when you really think about it. I think that, like, with myself, I always found that I was never good at anything unless I really was interested in the subject matter. And this is kind of a no-brainer. I mean, of course you're not going to be that interested or good at something if you're not interested in it. But I found this out personally so many times in my life where I was a very average student in high school and college. And then I really got into religious studies, which ended up being my major. All of a sudden, I'm getting A's in every class. Now, that was never my goal. I could care less about grades. I didn't care about it then. Definitely don't care about it now. 
but <laughs> I got A's as a side effect of being really interested in the subject matter, the courses. Now, when I took a course where it was something where I just had to do it for a requirement and then I didn't really care that much about it, I never got more than a example. I would do enough just to pass. So I learned this lesson early on that if I'm not excited about something, I'm not going to do really well at it. Then when I get out into the real world, you kind of lose that, that, that spark, and you start believing the lies that other people tell you, such as, oh, you need to be practical, you need to go do this, you need to go find a regular job, et cetera, and so forth. And I did that for many years, and I, was never, I worked up to a moderate level of success, but I never achieved anything close to what I do now in terms of just being able to push myself hard and see what I'm capable of because it was never anything that I was excited about. So once you realize that there wasn't much growth opportunity, you kind of just punched in hours. I mean, there were times, and this sounds very morbid, but there were times I would be driving to work, and I would be thinking, you know what? If the car crashed right now, it wouldn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. That's how boring my life is right now. And then I'm someone who's been all over the world, so believe me, I understand that these are luxury problems. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to equate having a job you hate with a kid starving in India or Kenya, Uganda, all these places I've been to. But often people use that as an excuse not to change their life. They'll be like, you know what? I should just be appreciative of what I have, so I'm just going to put my nose to the grind and deal with it. It's like, well, that's copping out too because you do have an opportunity that a lot of other people don't have where you can take charge and find something more exciting, then you should do it. You shouldn't just say, well, there's a kid starving somewhere, so I should just be grateful for what I have. Well, you doing a job that you hate for the rest of your life doesn't help that kid at all. Right? Exactly. But you getting to a, something that you're really passionate about, who knows where that will lead? Because with my business, once I started making money, I started coming up with ideas on how to give back, such as you know, giving 50% of the profit from my book to help abandoned animals, wounded soldiers, you name it. So it's, it's kind of like when you have your creative juices flowing, there's, no, there's so many interesting things you can get into. But what I really want to get the point across, at least with my experience, and I'm sure people would love to hear about yours too on this, is that it doesn't have to be a trade-off. It doesn't have to be something where you make good money and you're bored out of your mind or you love what you do and you live this artist lifestyle where you live in a studio by yourself or something. You can have – I mean I make way more money in the fitness business than I ever did working for someone else, and – my goal is not even the money. That's the side effect of my genuine passion because one thing with my business is everything I put out comes from a place of genuine passion. And you and I hear, talk about this all the time, how so many trainers in our business are always going, what's going to make me money? You think this video will make me money? You think this is going to sell? And it's a totally wrong way to go with it. My attitude is I become very passionate about something. All of a sudden, that becomes another avenue for income. And that's, that's what happened with kettlebells hormone optimization, supplements, you name it. Every single thing I've done that's worked out really well in the fitness business always came from a place of genuine passion, like making supplements, like just like what you said was dead on. It's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of trial and error. But if you're passionate about it, you're not going to care about those things. You'll blast through every single obstacle. Now, there's a lot of people in our business that just copy what everyone else does. So now that I'm having, like, for example, when I started doing kettlebell workshops and had a lot of success with it, all of a sudden, a ton of people started doing kettlebell workshops and yeah. making supplements. And the more success I have with these, the more people are going to think, oh, I should sell my own as well. But it's not that simple. You have to ask yourself, are you genuinely passionate about it or are you just trying to make a buck? Because putting your label on a bottle of vitamin C, that's not going to work. 
All right. <laughs> trying to sell. You know, I get that at Walmart. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's not work, man. You got to make something unique, innovative, and the only reason I even come up with these ideas is why? Because I'm researching endlessly this kind of stuff. That's how I came across things like bulbine and nettle root and macuna that are in my supplement years ago before other companies even started selling it because I'm constantly researching and I know all the top people that are researching this stuff because it's from passion. I'm not going to sit around reading medical journals and find it boring but think, oh, I got to suck it up and read this because I'll make money off of it. So I think that's the biggest mistake people make is that they – they think, what's going to make me money? And then they start trying to come up with an idea around that when it's really the reverse. Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say this. Like, you got these guys, it's just like you were saying, these trainers saying, like, you know, this video, how can this video make me money? Or these guys that want to, like, all of a sudden jump into the supplement business and think, how is it going to make me money? But they don't understand. It's like, first of all, if you're already coming from that attitude, I guarantee you, you probably don't even have the money to even to fuel the passion. If you had any passion in the first place, because trust me, in the beginning, it's like this passion pretty much is going to be your biggest currency. But right. if you just all about trying to do it for the buck, you're going to go broke doing it. And that's the reason why in our industry, we have so many jaded trainers or excuse me, because <clears throat> I get this all the time. Don't don't let me walk into a, a, a Marshall's or a Home Depot with a kettlebell shirt on or I'm sporting one of my friend's gym's shirts or shoot, even when I'm wearing your, one of your shirts, I hear people like, yeah, man. Oh, man, you a trainer? Yeah, I used to be a trainer. Yeah, man, but psh, I had to stop doing that, man. It's just, it, it, it just became a headache. I'm like, what? Can, can you imagine a cop, a doctor, a nurse, <laughs> you know, two years into it, like, you know, after seven years of medical school or whatever else, and they get there, and after the first couple of patients, <laughs> they're working at Walmart, <laughs> and, and it's, you know, this other doctor, and I was like, oh, man, you're a doctor? Yeah, I used to be a doctor, man, but, you know, I had to quit doing that, man. It was such a headache, man, going in every day trying to, like, you know, help people. Come on, man, seriously? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so and we're starting to get that in our industry from a lot of folks, and they're getting jaded because, again, they're getting in for the wrong reasons, or... Maybe they got in for the right reason. Maybe they really, truly want to help people. But somewhere along the line, they started listening to the wrong people who kept feeding them in the air like, you've got to do this. You've got to find your niche. You've got to get six figures. You've got to get six figures. And making it seem as if you're not getting six or seven figures, you're a failure in this right. industry. So they're basing it on these numbers. It kind of goes back to what you are saying about going to school and getting grades and all this. That's another thing. It's like when you sit there and you judge someone on these numbers that they get, you know, that's, just, that's not telling the whole story, you know, at all. So, I mean, look how many, how many people do we know in the fitness industry is making six and seven figures, but when you look at them, they don't look like they belong in the fitness industry. Yeah, <laughs> the guys I know who are making that kind of money, half of them probably haven't worked out in the last 10 years. And exactly. that's that irritates me to no end because my attitude is you shouldn't even get into the fitness industry unless you're passionate about working out yourself. I'm not even talking about training other people. I'm talking about you actually are passionate about your own workouts, meaning that if you're in the business or not in the business, you're going to be working out hard because you love it. That's where it should start, in my opinion. And that's what got me into this. I'm like, man, I love working out, and it's had such a positive impact on my life. And when I would talk to people about that, people would be like, man, you should be, a, you should be in the business. You're so knowledgeable. You're so passionate about this stuff. Bingo. There you go. That's your career path. When people so funny, you had the same story, man. Coming, you know, and I was trying to leave one industry, leaving the entertainment industry, but in between that, you know, just sitting there trying to, like, make sure to pay the bills with graphic design and then working for um, doing marketing promotions for another company that I won't even name right now because <laughs> I don't want to give them any kind of pull. But, you know, 
but, but but during that time, it's just like, you know, at the same time, I had the after effects of the entertainment industry taking a toll on my body and just woke up one day and realized, like, whoa, what the hell happened? I'm like, what happened to the dude that was like, you know, all the hard training that I did and the passion that I had for working out from high school, college, you know, and then on. And it's just somewhere along the line, you kind of lose yourself in life. And I'm just realizing, like, nah, dude, this is not even me. This is not who I was. And it's not who I'm going to be, especially, you know, having a family. So we'll get them out of my family if I'm not healthy. And another thing, you kind of look around, the people around you, like, oh, who about your same age, but they're looking like they're 10 years, 15 years older than you. And you say to yourself, like, ha. I'm not going to be that guy. So, yeah, man, I got, I got back and reignited that passion for working out again. And next thing you know, those same people were coming to me like, man, what have you been doing? Look at you. I haven't seen you in a while. And what happened? Next thing you know, they're like, oh, man, well, I know you want to get out of the entertainment industry and all that. Dude, you should start doing this as, as your business. You should start training people. And it was not my intention. I mean, honestly, I didn't even go to school for fitness or anything fitness related, not kinesiology, exercise science, none of that matters. I went to school for, well, radio and television, that was the easy part of school for me. And then there was psychology, because I have a genuine interest just in human behavior and the way people think. That's what drives me. I love, and so it just kind of all connected, you know, with fitness. It's just like, you know, again, this is more about behavior patterns and the way people think in certain events that have happened in their lives to get them to this point where certain things are happening to them on a physiological level that is actually really driven by stuff on a psychological level. That right there I just find so interesting. So I'm more interested in their stories, that, you know, of how they got here than their BS stories that they bring through. They're like, well, I need to do this, this, and this. You know, just these short-term goals. I want to know, like, no, well, why, why do you keep dieting like this? Why do you keep going on and off of that, off of that? Why do you feel the need to become part of the fitness of the food factions, which is that's for an entirely different show, right? I can't yeah. wait till we talk about that. You know, so – all these different things and just helping people realize like it's not just an absolute it's not simply because you know you need to stop eating this you need to stop doing this you need to stop doing this it's like did you ever stop and think about that time when you were in second grade it's just story you just told me where that kid pushed you down in the sand this little boy pushed you down in the sand and called you a fat pig did you you know it's just funny how you just now remember that story but how's it you know there could be a possibility that same story that event has been driving you to be to yo-yo diet for the last 30, 40 years, you know, things like that. So that's the stuff that really got to me. And those are the things, those are the moments that really helped people in this industry, you know, as far as, you know, helping our clients and things like that. And I think when so many people get in this industry and all they want to do is just focus on the next exercise program to, to put together, the next ebook to put together and try to sell it and give it to someone, that's when they're just like, they're so off course, man, about, you know, the contribution they really could be making to this. And, again, I think when you're there genuinely and you really are fueled by passion, then you wouldn't even make those mistakes and listen to the wrong people trying to tell you that it's all about making six, seven figures. Look, dude, if you're passionate about this, the six and seven figures, most likely it will come without you even thinking about it. It will just surprise you one day. No, <laughs> You'll get your taxes done, and, you can, and then your CPA is looking like, whoa, you're in a new bracket. And then you get that bill that you got to pay the IRS. You're like, what the hell? And the cool thing is if you truly are passionate about what you're doing, that won't even bother you when you move to another tax bracket. That's a sign that, dude, you're, you're on the right track. You're doing something that, you know, because you didn't even realize that you made it to this tax bracket. You're, you're on to something here. Keep it going. You know, yeah, no, it's kind of like when people are all excited about tax. Oh, I can't wait to get my tax refund. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, the I, biggest I, joke I, ever, man. This is like it's yeah. a it's an interest free loan that you gave the government. and You're happy about that? 
Like, you should be like, man, I can't. You should be happy about like, man, I'm paying 30% more in taxes this year than last year because that's a sign exactly. of making way more money. You should be excited about that. It's like, man, look how much I have to pay this year. That should be something that you're excited about rather than, oh, I got 500 bucks back. Oh, good for me. I'm going to go on the shopping spree now. It's like, no. Nah. Yeah, I, I got 1000 bucks back. Now I'm going to go buy that big 62-inch flat screen. <laughs> really? Really, dude? <laughs> yeah, How about you take you take that thousand and go buy an ounce of gold while the prices are dropping? Okay, how about that? <laughs> it's yeah. the perfect time to do that. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is that uh, it kind of goes back to this quote I always take from the Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu text that I grew up reading, and I I, re- I read it all the time. Probably every year I spend at least some time of the year reading through it. And the whole notion of excellence in the moment without thinking about the results. So in other words. Being no, totally immersed in excellence so that you're not attached to the outcome. And when I first came across it, I thought, I was like, this is dumb. I was like, I'm going to work hard without having the goal in mind or trying to achieve it or, or what I'm going to get in return, the reward and all that. But the funny thing is, is that goals are often distractions. You're so focused oh, yeah. on where you want to be in six months that right now you're miserable because you don't have that, whatever it is, whether it's a money goal or a physical goal or a relationship goal or whatever it is. So often when you're so attached to the outcome, you're, you're not going to have as good as an outcome as if, if, if you weren't as attached. So if I focus fully, like for example, instead of having a goal of where I want to be in eight weeks with my workouts, and I'm not saying goals are not useful. They are, but you don't want to get distracted by it. So instead of saying, okay, in eight weeks, I want this. No, in eight weeks, you have an idea of where you want to go. And then every single time I work out, so if I'm working out four times a week, every single one of those workouts, so when I'm doing the workout, that's the only workout that matters. I'm fully immersed in that workout. Every rep is perfect. Every exercise totally focused. Because guess what? If you add up all of those times where you're fully focused on the moment, you're gonna. You're not only are you going to achieve your goals, you're going to surpass it. You're going to surprise yourself. Exactly. So when you're passionate about now, it's it's impossible to be fully immersed in the moment if you hate what you're doing, which is why you're never going to be as successful doing what you think is practical but has no passion from you than something where you can't wait to do it because you're not going to immerse yourself in the process and push the envelope as hard as possible if you don't really like what you're doing. You know, like if I didn't like working out, I'm not going to push it as hard as I do. I probably wouldn't even work out like most people. Yeah. I would say, oh, like man. most people, yeah. They'll find an excuse. You know, yeah. the thing is, yeah, they'll find a reason to get out of it. Something will come up. Something will always happen. Yeah, but that's what, that's what procrastination is. Procrastination is nothing but the definition of I don't give a rat's ass about this certain subject. Okay. <laughs> and that's the main so, reason why people don't achieve their goals, ironically, is because when I heard people are like, they make these New Year's resolutions, I'm like, look, just the fact that you have to make the resolution means that, it <laughs> means that it's something you don't care about. Like, in other words, if I have to write it down, like, let me write down things that I want to achieve. Just the fact that I have to think about it and write it down means I don't care about it. Because if it's something I care about, it's a burning fire in your mind. Like, when I decided to make my own testosterone booster, and this is like three and a half years ago. I mean, you know how long this process has taken. Yeah. I mean, it was on my mind all the time. And when I started talking about it on podcasts, and like Superhuman Radio, then I'm working on it. Then it became on other people's minds, obviously. <laughs> Because they were emailing me all the time going, when's it coming out? <laughs> you know? And I've been getting these emails from people, when's your testosterone booster coming out since like 2011? So it's one of those things where, though, I didn't have to think about, oh, yeah, let me make sure I get that product out. Let me make sure I focus on that. No, it was on my mind 24-7. When I'm walking the dogs, I'm thinking about it. I'm <laughs> yeah. thinking about it. I'm working out, I'm thinking about it. So, I mean, it's, 
it's one of those things where if it's something you care about, you're going to achieve it. So often, so with this all the time is people come to you with these goals, and these goals are just stuff that maybe they heard about it on a TV show or a friend of them told them about it, or maybe they think it's something they should be interested in, but they could care less. And I go, look, this is not going to work because you're not even remotely passionate about any of these goals. You could care less. I can tell just by the way you're saying it. You could care less about achieving any of this stuff. So we're going to have to find something that you actually care about achieving, or I'm not going to bother taking you on as a client. And that's another thing I want to emphasize to a lot of trainers too. It kind of goes back to your point about running into people who used to be in the business, and then they're like, nah, you know, that got too hard. I had to give up. So the reality is they gave up because they, they gave up because they just didn't care about pushing the they, – they won – they didn't care about actually achieving anything anymore, but two, they gave up because they didn't have the right business plan to start with, meaning that they just had a, a desperation mindset where they wanted to take on any clients that they could get. Exactly. So if you actually have a model where you decide, look, this is the only clients I want. Like my business model, Mahler's Strength, is purposely set up to intimidate people not, not like in a bully way, but to intimidate people who are not a fit for me, meaning that they're going to come on my website, they're going to read the ad copy, and they're going to be like, you know what, this guy's not a fit for me. Good. That's exactly Good. If you think that, if you come to my website and you think, I don't think this guy's a fit for me, then I don't want you to sign up. I want you to come to my website and be like, man, this guy's got it down. I want to work with him. He, 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 this is exactly what I need. And that's why people do so well with my online client program, my online client services, et cetera. Because, yeah, I know how to design programs. I know how to do this stuff well that's effective. But I attract people that are a good fit for my personality type, my message, so they're actually going to follow it and get good results. Now, if I just tried to get everybody, which is what most trainers do, they don't care about a particular kind of client. They want anyone because they're desperate. You're not going to attract the kind of people you want, and desperation is never attractive. Ask any woman out there, okay? <laughs> you, see every, you see it every weekend at the bars and the clubs, yeah. and if you still go to that madness, that is a that is a convention for desperation right there every weekend. That is like an annual conference, but make it more like a weekly conference of desperation. Yeah. And it's not just the guys either. No, no. <laughs> so. no, ask any woman who's ever been hit on, okay, and that's every woman in the world, all right? <laughs> ask any woman who's ever been hit on, if she finds a guy who's really desperate, attractive, and the answer is going to be no. It's going to be off-putting. She may even find a guy good-looking, but the, his approach is so lame that she's like, ugh. Oh. Because it's <laughs> or, or as my friend Donica would say, yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes <laughs> desperation. Like when you go try to buy a car from someone and he's desperately trying to sell it to you, you can feel that, and it makes you want to run off the lot. Like when I bought my car recently, I went to a bunch of dealerships, and, and it was the stereotypical experience that we all hear about. Okay, you're walking in there, you, some guy's trying to give you a hard sell, the whole thing is off-putting, you just leave, it's irritating. Then I go to CarMax where this lady showed me five or six cars, and I, she answered all of my questions, and then she didn't even try to sell me on it even after all of that. She's like, well, you know what? If you have any more questions, here's my card, and thanks for coming in. And that was the end of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, not only am I going to buy a car from this place, I want to make sure I get it from her because I liked her whole approach. And it just happened that it was the best deal too, price-wise. But even if it weren't, I still would have paid the extra premium to give them my business. And that's another thing that people really need to think about. Just because it's the lowest price doesn't mean it's the best deal. 
whether it's oh, no. a house, a, a business, or whatever. So like restaurant for one thing. And they're like, oh, how much does your service cost? I'm like, look, if you're price shopping, don't even bother because I charge a lot for online consulting services. I don't even try to deny that. I charge a lot because it's because it's very time consuming for me. My time is valuable. I know what it takes to design a good program, so I'm not going to give it away for nothing. I'm I'm happy to give away free info on my website, but when I put together a personalized program, it's time consuming. I don't just take a take a workout program out of my file and send it to someone. Exactly. It's funny you say that because I think the, one of the weeding out processes that I have, especially with my online classes, I send them over their, their questionnaire form, and I guess they expect maybe, you know, one little multiple choice sheet or whatever, like they'll end up getting seven, eight pages, and they're like, it's a lot. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you have a lot to tell me, and I'm pretty sure if you don't see it right there in black and white, you probably are not either going to tell me and be honest about it. In, or you're not going to even think about it. I said, this is going to get you to think. And on top of that, it really shows if you are truly ready to start making changes. And just like you, that's another reason why when I do something online and things like that, it's not cheap. Okay, but I would tell people, like, well, shit, your life is not cheap, <laughs> you know? So when you start seeing that you're actually, this is not something that you're buying and purchasing, it's something that you're actually investing in, which is your health, because trust me, I'm still going to be okay whether you hire me or not. Because I've set up my life where I don't have to depend on that. Okay, I do this because, again, there's the passion, because I truly want to help folks. It's not, it's not a point where I need to help them. Okay, it's something that I truly, truly want. I need food, clothing, and shelter. Okay? <laughs> so, and I guess what? And, and the main thing is, like, I, I need, you know, pretty much to believe in myself, take care of myself. I don't have to buy that. That doesn't cost me any money. It costs me my time and my emotions. That's about it. But everything else is just the extra stuff. Those are just like the benefits of the life that I choose. So when I take on someone, I always tell them, I said, look, you come on as my client. You know, here's another thing. I'm, I'm investing in you as much as you are. So here's the thing. If you're not giving a crap, you're not showing up for your workouts, you're not turning in your logs, you're not calling me when, you know, when I say our calls are scheduled, don't expect me to call and say, hey, or send you a text, don't forget we got a call today. What? You're a grown, you know what, man or woman. You know, why do I have to call and remind you for something that is for you? Right. Okay, because best believe, if I have an appointment with someone, I'm going to be there. I'm going to call them because I've invested in it, and it's important enough for me because, A, I made the appointment. So obviously it was, a, it was important enough. So and I think we're, we're in this, and like you were saying, another thing about just like the sales lady, you know, at the car dealership, that's another thing. We devalue so much stuff because so much stuff is out there for free that right. when, we, when we see things that are really of value, we end up missing it. We're so focused, and again, it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, focusing on that one thing. They're so focused on trying to get the best deal that they end, and they're so, they're so have like razor sharp focus on that, they end up missing the value that's going on around them. Because all they want to do is look for that cheap, the cheapest deal or whatever. And, I mean, that even goes, like you said, that even goes to restaurants. Okay, so it's just like another thing. I hate when someone is, like, really going out of their way to give you the best service. Okay, I don't care about that 15, that minimum 15, 18% that you're supposed to tip someone. If your service was spectacular, don't even worry about the 15, 18%. I'm going to give you more than that because I'm going to give you what you gave me. Now, trust me, if you are an asshole – <laughs> don't I mean don't get mad when you see less than that yeah. <laughs> than that so-called required because and I and trust me I'm not just a jackass to sit there and just not give you much because you didn't give anything at all I'll actually write a note and tell you why <laughs> so hopefully <laughs> you'll do better next time and my wife laughs at me I do that all the time she goes oh my god 
baby, are you writing? I said, I'm giving them a tip along with the tip, okay? I understand it can be hard. I, they could have had a crappy day. Who knows? But they didn't have the right to take out their crappy day on me because yeah. I didn't do that to them. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to be, <laughs> you know, the person here that looks out, and I'm going to actually let them know, like, hey, man, that wasn't cool. You know, I don't know what kind of day you're having, whatever. Just next time, for the next person, you might want to try to, you know, try to be a little bit better. Okay? So, and guess what? They still get a tip. There are some people who just get up and go <laughs> and won't give them anything. And guess what? All that does is set up someone like me to end up getting a bad experience. So I'm trying to help the next person that comes along with that. So look at it beyond the experience itself, you know. So You're a better man than I am on that front. <laughs> I've gotten no, trust me, I've gotten better. You can you can blame Paulette for that. That's that's just having her around. Cause back in the day, I just I'd be like, I would actually tell them like, dude, you suck. <laughs> and I would tell them to their face. I said, where's your manager? Cause I want to let them know how much you suck too. <laughs> so I've gotten so much better. Yeah, I, uh, I got a meal at a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant here in Vegas, and it was terrible. And I wanted to uh, take it off the bill. And the yeah. lady was really rude about it. She's like, why? You know, what's the, what's the problem? I was like, look, I'm not going to explain it to you. I didn't like it. That's all you need to know. Get the man- so I had to get the manager. He was polite and took it off the bill. But anyway, this lady who was rude, this waitress, when it came time for the tip, I, I wrote in big numbers, 0.0. <laughs> I wanted her to know that I didn't make a mistake. It's like that. It's like I wanted her to know that, hey, I'm emphasizing the fact that you're just If I could have given her a negative, like five bucks. I like, look, negative ten percent. You know, like you're giving me ten percent back. I wouldn't. Have done that. She was, so it was ridiculous. Now, contrast that. There's been other times where someone just gave me exceptional service, went way beyond, and like you said, I go way beyond twenty percent. Like you slap like a fifty dollar bill in there and just leave before they even see it. It's kind of fun. Exactly. I do that every once in a while. You know, like Joe Rogan was talking about how he does that. He calls it like happiness bombs or something like that. It's like the guy gave you a great service at a restaurant. You throw a hundred dollar bill in there and just take off. You know, it's cool. It's fun to do stuff like that, man. So I don't, I don't mind doing that. I, I would opt. I honestly prefer doing that. I want to have a good customer service experience. But what I always tell people is, it never pays to be rude. You know, you want to provide. No. And it doesn't mean that the customer is always right either, because we all do. Yeah, that's another thing. I'm so sick of hearing that. It's like, no, the customer's not always right. Some customers are assholes. <laughs> I've had people email me before where they're just being jerks for the, fake, for, the, for the sake of it, and I will refund that person and say best of luck to you in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even think about it. I remember one time I had an online client, and this lady was a total nuisance. And I knew from the get-go she was going to be a nuisance. And, I was, and this is early in my career, so I was a little bit more tolerant then than I am now. But anyway, I was like, all right, let me see if I can stick it out with her. And then like two weeks into the program, she was like, I'm not getting the results I want. If I don't get results next week, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a refund. And I sent her a refund. I was like, you know what? Let's not wait for the Christmas rush, lady. I'm gonna give you a refund right now. Boom! It was so much fun doing that because again, so many people are desperate. They're like, uh oh, I'm a customer's angry. I better kiss her ass and so forth. I had the opposite approach. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna fire you right now. Refund. Boom! Lots of luck. Go ahead and keep that free pro the, the, the program I already designed for you. Just consider that a goodbye gift. See ya. And then I remember. Other- Hold on, the mic. Don't you find this funny though? <laughs> it's always funny that as soon as you fire their behinds, they're coming back. Well, why'd you do that? I mean, <laughs> it's like it's so funny. It's like, oh, 
Oh, but I thought you wanted. I thought you wanted out. I thought you wanted, you know, a refund. I thought you wanted to stop coming to class. I thought you wanted to stop. No, I mean, I was having a rough. Then all of a sudden, well, okay, okay, this is what I've been doing. And blah blah blah. Okay, why don't you just say it in the first place? You guess what? You've already jacked up this relationship between us. There's no going back after this because I'm always gonna look at you cockeyed after that. Like, yeah. mm. as soon as you give me a complaint, I'm looking at you like it's kind of like it's like real life. It's like a real life relationship. I mean, you cheat on me once. I don't. What's the point of trying to like work it out? I'm gonna always look at you and think cheater. <laughs> you know? I'm always thinking like every time you open your, or if you're a liar, every time you open your mouth, I think a lie is gonna come out of your mouth. Just like I was telling you, we were talking on the phone last week. I'm like, if you sit there and tell me the sky is freaking blue, I'm still gonna look at you like liar. You, you know it's purple. You just lie about every damn thing because you've already established that you're a freaking liar. You've already broken that trust, and it works the same with clients and customers. You've betrayed that trust already. You've already said that, well, you know, I don't see any value in his program or his time, so I'm not going to do this. Okay. I'm taking my time back. You're done. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, tra- trainers who've never done it, you have no idea how, what a good feeling, liberating oh. is. And you're dealing with some total jack-offs. And instead of, like, writing some angry email back to the person and getting stuck in the stupid diatribe conversation, that's a waste of your time. But yes, just firing the person, they don't exist in my mind anymore. It's like you're yeah. done. You don't exist. It doesn't mean, I don't, it doesn't mean like I want them to get hit by a car or something. It just means that they're no longer in my world where I have to deal with them. And I had another lady one time who signed up for a workshop that I did years ago, and she was like, oh, I didn't really care for the way you responded to this question, so – I'm, I'm going to think about whether I even want to come to your workshop next week. <laughs> oh, really? Fun. Really? Yeah. No explanation either. The next email she got from me was a refund. And then she was like, I demand an explanation. I was like, you don't demand anything. <laughs> I was like, Put out, I'm not your Trump boyfriend, girl, okay? You were rude to me. I fired you. You couldn't come to the workshop if you paid three times as much. You're not welcome at anything I ever do. That's an explanation. Because when someone tries to get you to explain yourself, that's a form of manipulation right away. It's like, why do you do this? Why do you do a vegan diet, Mike? Because I want to. I can do whatever the hell I want. Okay? If I want to eat snails, I can do that. All right? If I want to go eat dirt, I can do that too. Right? My problem. So it's like, I don't have to explain why I do what I do. I'm a grown-ass man. So there you go. I'm not people with that confidence, though. They shut up. And, you know, here's, a, here's a funny segue, but i got to say it because – like we, I want, we set the tone of this show as we're going to say whatever we want. So I want to be true to that. And this is, you're going to get a good laugh off this one. And a lot of women are going to either get angry at first, but they're going to laugh too. No woman likes to be rejected. Okay, women hate being dumped. So a lot, a lot of times a woman will be in a relationship with a guy where she's like, you know what, I can't stand this guy. He's such a loser. I should get out of it. And then sometimes out of the blue, something strange happens. That guy feels the same way about you. And he sucks your ass. And you're so demoralized by that that you're like, wait a minute, why'd you dump me? And then you try to work it out all of a sudden. Don't, don't even try to fuck. Don't even try to like argue with me on this one. You've all done it. We all know it. We've all done it as guys too, and you've all been done it as well. And it's always hilarious because I'll say this a million times: guys take rejection way better than women do. You know why? Because we we we've been getting rejection ever since. <laughs> No big thing. I just went on with my day. I worked with women who would cry after rejection. You know, they would have 10 calls in a row where nothing happened, and they'd be like in tears. And I'd be like, man, what's wrong with her? And it's because guys 
are used to rejection a lot more. We take it better. Or we respond better. So like that's that's what we have edge on women in a lot of ways. Is that you know women have edge on us in a lot of ways too. Don't get me wrong. But in this particular instance, rejection. I think guys can tolerate it way better as a result because these two clients I'm talking about who I fired, both of them were women and both of them were like they, like they demanded to have some kind of closure. It's like, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? And I was like, you're not going to get it because I don't have to explain it to you. I just fired you. I just give you your money back. So you don't you're not gonna get anything else from me. You're just going to have to live for guys. For guys, we would have been happy with the refund. Like, hell yeah, you better give me my refund back, bitch. <laughs> and that was our closure. We got our money back. <laughs> you, know? you know what's funny? You can do the same thing, too, with, with creating demand. Like, a lot of times I'll have someone email me and go, hey, I'm really interested in your online program design service, but I've got a bunch of questions. And the reality is this is the truth, too. It's not just a marketing gimmick on my part. The reality is I don't have, I'm not taking any new clients because I don't have the time for it. I like to keep it at 10 or less because I'm too busy doing other stuff, and I don't want to have so many clients where I can't give them, each person the time that they deserve. So I right. keep it at about 10 or less now. So I'm not even taking any new clients right now. I have a waiting list. And a lot of times people don't notice that on the page. Like right there on my page on the online program, it's just really, I'm not taking anyone new, so just email me for the waiting list. But anyway, sometimes someone folks doesn't see that, and they ask me a bunch of questions, and I'll respond back and say, hey, thanks a lot for the interest. I'm actually not taking any new clients right now, and I've got a long waiting list. And all of a sudden, that person goes from 20 questions to, are you willing to take me on right now? I'll pay right now. All of a sudden, all of their pushback is over. And it kind of reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Boiler Room, with uh, Vin Diesel. It's, it's a stockbroker film, and mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a classic scene in there where Vin Diesel's character is talking to a doctor trying to sell him some junk stock. And the yeah. doctor is initially like, look, I'm not interested in this, and what's the minimum buy? And he's like, the minimum buy is like 5,000 shares. The doctor's like, 5,000, forget it. And then Vin Diesel's like, well, look, doc, you know, I don't even have time to explain to you why this is worth your time. i got other calls to make. And then all of a sudden the doctor's like, well, can I get more? <laughs> you know? Exactly. This stuff works, man. It works because like what we were saying, nobody likes desperation. So many trainers are desperate. They are, they are just desperate, and you can smell it a mile away. And not just trainers. I'm talking about people in every business. And they're desperate because maybe they're not making any money. But the reality is is you have to – I, I, I know what that feels like. Because when I first started my business, I was living in Santa Monica. I wasn't making jack. You know, I was barely getting by each month. But even then, I was never desperate because I knew it wasn't going to be effective. That's the main reason why you shouldn't be desperate. It doesn't work. It's not effective. And I also knew that taking any clients who came my way back then was a bad idea. You know, that's how I got people like the two whiners that I just mentioned. You know, I never get people like that anymore because my filtration system is so good that I attract exactly the kind of person who's a good fit for me. So your goal should not be to get as many people as possible. Your goal should be to get as many people as possible as you can. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I think so many – so many people, just like I said, business, fitness, whatever, they're so afraid to set their own freaking rules. Look, if you're afraid to set your own rules, you, my friend, should not, A, be an entrepreneur. And notice I didn't say business owner because that's the problem right there. Too many people are business owners and not enough entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs don't give a crap. They don't give a rat's ass about rules. They're going to break rules. They're going to do stuff that's going to seem absolutely positively insane. I mean, dude, from the outside looking in, the people that have, like, watched what you've done, okay, wait a minute. So this dude, but he's the kettlebell dude. 
but now he's talking about hormones all the time. And, you know, and just when they start attaching it, it's like, wait a minute, he's coming out with a testosterone booster, but why, why is he not coming out with, like, a protein powder? Because, you know, he's, he's a strength dude and a kettlebell dude. You know, that's just crazy. Hell, hell fucking yeah, it's crazy. It should be crazy, you know? So, <laughs> and there's a couple things that you and I have talked about that I'm getting ready to work on. <clears throat> Trust me, when that happens, they're going to think, like, wow, that was crazy. I can't believe he did that. Because it's going to be, in some people's mind, a total 180 from this field from fitness but guess what when I got in the fitness field all my friends from the entertainment industry thought that was crazy because they just it came pretty much it had nothing to do with what I've been doing for so long but that's just me I like it I like the challenge I love it. if I'm passionate about something dude trust me and just like you were saying when you're really passionate about that it doesn't matter how much you know how much money you're investing into it how much time you invest into it man the journey is so freaking fun along the way yeah. and, you, and especially because I just look forward to looking back and having that story. So it's like how I was told my kids, like the first time I ever had like sleep in my car, you know, when I moved back, you know, from like Georgia, moved back to Houston or whatever, and I didn't have anywhere to stay or whatever. First night I ever slept in my car in the parking lot of the university that I was going to, I didn't sit there and feel sorry for myself. I was laughing. I said, I can't wait until my kids, until I have kids and they're older and they're bitching and complaining about what they don't have. And I'm like, do you understand that I came back home and I was homeless for a little while. I was sleeping in my girlfriend's car in the parking lot. She thought I was spending the night staying over at my buddy's place, but I was sleeping in the car, <laughs> you know, just, just so I could have this experience, so I could have this story to tell you about it. And I always look forward to that when I'm going down these journeys, man. It's just like I can't wait till, you know, I get there, wherever there is, wherever it takes me, so I can look back at, like, where I came from. And so many people, just, they, it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's, you got to make it fun, and most people don't want to be uncomfortable. I love being uncomfortable because if I'm comfortable, I'm bored. <laughs> well, really the goal I think everyone should have is to have an interesting life. Like I always say, if, if someone interviewed you, would anyone find it interesting? And if the answer is no, then it's time to make your life more interesting because often <laughs> I meet people, both men and women, and sometimes they're like, you know, I'm having a hard time meeting a cool girl. I'm having a hard time meeting a great guy, whatever it is. And I go, you know, the problem is probably you. They're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, you're boring, man. You're boring as sin. Everything you say is boring. Every time I talk to you, it's the same old thing. It's like, look, I just taught in South Africa, Australia, Dubai. I put out a testosterone booster. My book is selling well. You know, I'm doing all these things that are interesting that whenever I talk to someone, no one's like, wow, that guy's boring. They're like, whoa, you, 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 don't, you don't even hear those kind of stories from anybody. So people find it exciting. And here's someone who's doing a boring-ass job, who sits around every weekend doing nothing, doesn't do anything remotely interesting like taking a class or working on a skill or traveling. It's unpredictable. It's just like every time you talk to him, it's like, hey, man, what's going on? Oh, man, you know, same old, same old. I hate that. What the hell is that? I say same old, same old when I talk. When I talk to someone, it's like if your response is same old, same old, let's just split the conversation right now. Exactly. So oftentimes people don't take responsibility for why they don't have. They just blame circumstances like, oh, there's no good this out there. It's like, no, well, why don't you focus on what you have control over, which is you. Make yourself the best you can be, and believe me, you're going to attract more people than you know what to do with in every facet of your life. So it's, I think people have the wrong focus too often. They're always thinking of what's outside of them and try to change that. It's like focus on you first, and that's going to be what helps make the external, external changes you want to see as well instead of just being someone. And then really focus on having that interesting lifestyle. Like, you know, everyone should travel around the world. Everyone should get that opportunity to do it if you can because it will just open your mind to a much different perspective, much different outlook. And it's one of the best things about my upbringing is that 
My mother's from India. My dad worked for the UN, and we traveled around the world quite a bit. So that gave me a much broader perspective at a very young age than I would have ever had through any other means. And then now that I'm traveling all over the world, I'm doing it again as an adult without my parents, going to all these countries, in a lot of cases, new places. And I have a much greater appreciation, and I'm much more comfortable doing it because I was basically on a plane flying around the world when I was in the crib. So it's like – it makes for an interesting life. Like all these hardships, it makes you an interesting person. And like what you just said that I really like is you want to you want to be in the future and look back on now and be like, man, I nailed it. You don't want to look back five years from now and be like, man, I was such an idiot then. You know, and, and there's, there's old times in our life where we say that, but you, you don't want that to be a reoccurring theme. In other words, when you're 21, you look back and go, man, I was such an idiot when I was 18. And then when you're 25, oh, I was such an idiot when I was 21. And then you're 30. I was such a fucking idiot when I was 25. But it's funny. By the, time you get, by the time you get to 40, you realize you're like, you know what? I just, if I had known then what I know now, you stop becoming an idiot and you just realize, huh, but you know what? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't trade today for that, that life back then for nothing. You know, so you, even your whole perspective will start to change. You know, you just kind of get over it because it's like, it's like, but here's one thing, like, I would never go back to being 21. You can, you can take me back to being 21-year-old sincere, but you know what? I'm very grateful for that dude because it helped me to get where I am now. He needed to, he needed to mess up. He needed to screw up a lot of stuff back then <laughs> in order to make me appreciate my life now. And, but just what's so crazy, there are some people right around our age who are still trying to be the 21-year-old whoever they were. Right. They're the same dude still going to the bar and the club every weekend, you know, and, and they're the one, this, this is the same guy singing this song, hey, man, what's going on? All the same old, same old, but you know what? It's almost Friday, man, like I'm going to the club. Yeah, go, go, go look at some gals. What, huh? You're still at the club looking for a girl? Really? <laughs> dude, are you serious right now? Oh, yeah, hey, trust so me. Tell me, yeah, I'm just, you know, my boy's settling down, you know, so, you know, one of these days I will, Well, guess what? You're not going to find the right wife at the club. Trust me. <laughs> no, you're not going to find high-quality people at your local bar. That's a universal, no, that's a universal rule. And then, you know, what, a, a couple of times in, in Vegas, bars have some restaurants as well. So sometimes you can get a late-night meal and whatnot. And so there have been times where I'm working, burning the midnight oil, and I don't have anything to eat at the house. So I'll, I'll run around the corner real quick to get a meal. And then, and then what's funny is I'll be sitting there in this bar by myself looking at a bunch of other people going, man, it's a bunch of losers in here. And then, then I'm thinking, well, what am I doing? You know, because they're probably looking at me thinking the same thing. Who's this loser eating a, a veggie burger by himself over here at three in the morning? So it's like, I can't, here's the rule. I can't be in the bar, too, and make fun of people there. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing of the game. If I'm there, guess what? I'm part of the club now where I'm going to be made fun of. You know? But it's, it's funny, like what you said, because you're trying to be 21. Now, when I look back on my youth, like 21, 25, and so forth, I was trying to be confident. I didn't have genuine confidence. I was trying to. And the fact that you're trying to be confident means you don't really have it. But right. who I am now, I really like who I am now in a, in a non-egotistical way at all. I'm not saying, like, I'm the greatest guy in the world, and I look in the mirror and smile at myself like an idiot every morning. No. What I'm saying is I, I like who I've become as a result of this whole journey where now I feel like I have genuine confidence when I walk out there, when I teach my courses, when I talk to people. I don't have to put on any kind of act. Well, back then, it was like that. So where I'm going with this is, is sometimes you're in these different towns when you're teaching courses, and there isn't anything to do. So you're, you're, you can either sit around the hotel room and watch TV, or you can go to a club around the corner and have a good time. 
So every once in a while, I'll do that. And one time I taught a course with Ken, Ken Blackburn, and where were we? We were in Kansas. And these guys like to go to sleep early. You know, so Ken goes to sleep like at 930, right? So I'm a late night guy. So I'm not going to go. I couldn't go to sleep at 930 if I wanted to. So I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go around the corner and check out some places here. So I walk into one club. It's a bunch of like frat boys and that kind of vibe. Didn't like that. I go to another club and it's like a total hip hop club. Okay, mm-hmm. hip hop club is basically a polite way of saying it's all black people in there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you said black people. I was about to say ghetto. <laughs> so, I'll say it for you. <laughs> What's cool about being uh, me is that I have a unique look in the sense that no one really knows what my ethnicity is. So it's not like, you know, like if Ken walked in this place, like the music. <laughs> They're like, they're like, oh, man, you can hear the DJ right now. Like, oh, man, we got Stone Cold Steve Austin in the house tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Everyone is cool there, too. So I'm not, I'm not even saying, like, you know, if a white person walked in there, they would have made that person feel uncomfortable because it was it was a really cool vibe in there. It just, it just happened to be a place where the only non-black in there was me. So anyway, I, I go in there, though, and I just started having these organic conversations with people. And, of course, most people in there are way younger than me. So I'm talking to these two guys about – it's just what I do for a living and so forth. And all of a sudden, I'm drawing a little crowd because people are listening to what I have to say and chiming in. And these guys are all excited looking at my website on their phones and so forth. And so where I'm going with this is that if you become an interesting person, like if you're a guy who wants to go to clubs and do all that stuff, you're going to have a lot more success if you're an actually interesting person going in there rather than a 40-year-old guy stuck with a 21-year-old mindset. You know, so you're trying to be like all the other 21-year-olds in there. Guess what? You're not going to stand out. So on the flip side of that, I'm the same dude that my wife makes this joke every time. Anytime there's like a rock concert that comes to town. I remember our first first concert date that Paulette and I ever had when we started dating. I took her to see Marilyn Manson. And it's so funny. Almost every show I've gone to with her, I mean, Rob Zombie, Godsmack, Kid Rock, whatever. It's so funny. It's this one venue here in Houston called the Woodlands um, Pavilion. And it's so funny. Every time we go to a show there, my wife knows the exact same four black people that are going to be there. And guess who's <laughs> one of them? <laughs> so, so her husband, me. So she laughs every time. She's like, I swear. And like I just told her the, um, the other night, um, I have a good friend here. I've known him since I first moved to Houston. when he was on the radio doing one of the rock radio stations here that changed formats eventually. Um, and it's so funny that he moved and came back, and now he's on the country station here, but it's more of a young country type station. And so I'm like, okay, I mean, growing up where I grew up, I had a mix of everything. In fact, the first radio station I worked at, I, I did two formats. I did top 40 on one side of the wall, you know, and then my other shift, I went on the other side, I did country music. So it's so funny, but it's funny, everybody knows from the club world knows me for house, dance hall, drum and bass and all this other stuff. They have no idea about all the stuff that I started when I played. But now, anyway, so my buddy's back in town, and he's over at the country station. So, you know, I gave him a big shout-out because I always listen to it on my way out, you know, coming from the gym or whatever. And I told my wife, and he started doing this club night. I was like, you know what? I told him last night, I said, um, I want us to go out to my buddy's country club. And first she looked at me and said, country club? So she was thinking, you know, the shishi poo poo you know, <laughs> country club. I was like, I said, no, 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 no. <laughs> so my, I'm not trying to take diversity to that extreme just yet. I'm not trying to go the Tiger Woods route right here. I said, no, it's a, it's a, it's a country club. And, you know, she's like, oh. And so the cool thing about, you know, my wife is, she's like, she's down with that. 
man, any of my ex-girlfriends in the past would look at me like I was smoking crack. They're like, are you serious? Because you know you're going to be the only black guy there. I said, you'd be surprised. Don't forget, we got Darius Rucker singing country music now from Hootie and the Blowfish. That kind of gave us, <laughs> he's, our, he's, our, he's our new age, you know, black guy to get us in now. So, <laughs> so she was like, well, I can tell you now, we go, baby. You know, you're probably going to have to find somebody else to dance with. I said, oh, I said please, two-stepping is not that difficult. I said, I'm black. Do you understand how, how easy that is compared to some of the stuff we're doing? I said, have you ever seen us in a hip-hop club flipping around, twirling, twerking, and everything else? I'm like, come on. Two-step is the, it's the, it's, it's fun from any words you could ever have. And if I take you to a black club, a hip-hop club, then you should be worried about getting on the dance floor because either you got to do a lot of moves or we're going to damn near have to have sex on the dance floor. Okay, <laughs> just to compete. So, so, yeah, man. So, again, it, it comes back to, like, you know, truly liking who you are and knowing who you are. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, that's a big issue for them in so many things. They feel like they got to conform and dumb it down and they can't be who they are because they're afraid that they, somebody might have an opinion of them and they might think like, oh, this, this, this person's weird. This person's crazy. So be it. Be weird. Be crazy. Stand yeah. out. Yeah, it's so true, man. And what's funny is that people often embody the stereotypes that are projected on them. So often, yes. like for example, if, if there's like one black guy working in a corporate office and they decide to put together a basketball team, everyone looks at the black guy like, hey, let's make sure you're on our team. Like, and like automatically he can play basketball. It's like, oh. They can be like me who can't play a lick of basketball. And then they're pissed off like, Dude, you can't play basketball? I'm like, dude, you can't run fast? Let's get involved. They're like, oh, you're funny, right? You're black. You must be funny. You must be a comedian. stupid stereotypes. But what's funny, what's even, what's even worse than like these idiotic stereotypes that people put on each other is when someone puts it on him or herself. And what yeah, I mean by that, a lot of people are going to be like, well, you know, I'm white and I like hit hip hop, but I don't want to show up at that club because that's not what white people do. Or like, oh, I don't want, I'm a black guy. I don't want to go to a heavy metal concert because that's white people's domain. It's like, no, it's wherever you want. <laughs> whatever you want to do. In fact, you can look at someone's music on their iPhone or iPod, like the collection of songs. Yeah. That'll give you a real indicator of whether that's an interesting person or not. Because oh, yeah. The spectrum of music on my, and I have 800 songs on my iPhone. You know, I'm a big music fan, I'm a huge music fan. I listen to all kinds of stuff, country, classical music, heavy metal, hip-hop, rapcore. I mean, you name it. If it's good music, I like it. And I have yep. all kinds of stuff on my iPhone. People would look on there and be like, huh, this is kind of a contradiction. You like, it's like, no, it's not a contradiction, idiot, because I make my own rules. So there is exactly. no contradiction in the aggressive strength world because I'm the guy who creates the rules of the game here. So it's, it's kind of like someone said, oh, it's kind of funny that you're a vegan and you like the UFC. I'm like, why? What does one have to do with the other? It's like, so, so wait, hold on, hold on, wait a minute. What does that mean? So basically, what they're saying is, so why they're down on the mat? Are they like eating each other out or something like that? Are like chewing each other up? What does that even mean? Is like? trying to say is, is that if I don't if I don't eat animals, it's because I don't want to contribute to animal suffering, right? So it's like this whole hippie peace type shebang. So they're saying that how can you have that mindset and at the same time want to watch two guys beat up each other? It's like, well, look, dude. First of all. It's a, we're watching it. We're watching an athletic expression. That's what UFC MMA is. It's two athletes competing. They're not fighting to the death. This is not Spartacus. Okay? Not the, they're not slaves in the house of Badiatis. All right. They have, to, they have to fight each other to the death. And, you know, do gay stuff with Roman overlords and stuff like that. Okay. These are two grown men who are getting paid and have decided on their own will to compete in an athletic sport where there's a ref in the ring to make sure no one really gets hurt that bad. 
So that's not the same thing as not wanting to contribute to factory farming, which is you know, serious animal suffering, et cetera. But it just goes back to what I'm saying, man. It's like people don't like – people want to put you into a category, and when they can't do it, it throws them off. So they're like, oh, since here's a black guy and he's got dreadlocks, I bet he likes reggae. And he probably no, yeah, trust me. You, do you know how many times I've gone to a show or, or gone out of town and somebody pulls this out? Hey, man, you got some weed? <laughs> yeah. I'm like what? I'm like, do you have some coke? <laughs> like, yeah, come yeah. on. So I know a lot of people who smoke weed in our industry. I'm obviously not going to name names, but I can promise you this: they're the people that you would never think of. Like people on the outside would be shocked. They'd be like, really, that person? Because they just exactly. don't look like that kind. But again, the only reason you're surprised is because you have you have these stupid stereotypical ways of looking <laughs> at the world. You think, oh well, Mike looks this way. This is the kind of person he is, or like I remember one guy. I remember I put on my Facebook one time. I'm like, man, Jay Z concert was awesome last night. And some guy gets on there and he's like, I didn't think you'd be the kind of guy to listen to Jay Z at all. It's like, well, what makes you? Think, what makes what you is think that kind of guy? guy? Please, <laughs> please do explain. <laughs> How are you? You don't know me. You've never met me in person. What do you know about what I'm into or not into? You know, it's so stupid. But it goes – again, people get confused with – I think what it really comes down to is that when you have conflicting ideas in your mind and you can manage that, that throws people off, which is why people love black and white training advice. You know, one of the oh, reasons yeah. why Pablo Sotolin did so well with a lot of his work and you know, Pablo, Pablo helped me out with my career a lot, so I don't, have, I don't have anything bad to say about Pablo. There's a lot of stupid kettlebell wars going back and forth where everyone's talking smack. You know, I don't engage in that stuff because it's a waste of time. You know, Pablo actually did a lot to help me out with my business. I don't have anything bad to say about him. But one thing he did that was very clever and that he was very successful with is he would write books where the themes were very clear cut, like his book, Power to the People, focused on two exercises, the side press and the deadlift. Just focus on those two things and get good at it. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that that's ideal, but it is clever because most people want that kind of advice. They want to hear, just do these two things for two sets of five, five days a week. That's it. Don't think about it, anything else. Now, the problem is someone who follows that program is going to start thinking that any other kind of program is wrong. Oh, deadlifting once a week for five sets? That's wrong. Hubble says you should do two sets of five, five times a week. It's like, look, idiot, both approaches work, Okay. So it's like, which one, is, which one works? They both do. So now neither one are necessarily going to work for you. That's where personal experience has to come into play. You may do Nobody wants to do that. Oh, gosh, please. Yeah. Don't, let me have to, don't, don't, don't let me have to go out and experiment and have to find out for myself. Just tell me yeah. what to do, please. That's, that's what people are afraid of doing. Like with diet, people are like, well, you know, you say the vegan diet works, and these other guys say paleo works. I don't know who to believe. It's like, well, why can't you believe both of us? You know, there are guys <laughs> – there are guys who do paleo who get great results. I would never deny that. I know it can be done well. I've seen people do it. But at the same time, I know that what I do can be done well too because I've been doing it for a long-ass time. I'm not a guy who's been on a vegan diet for a week. I've been doing it since I was 21. I'm almost 40 now. So you're not going to continue to get stronger for 20 years and get older and feel better and have great hormones and all these different things if your diet sucks. So I never tell people that what I do is going to work for them necessarily, but it definitely works for me. Now, what's going to work for them may need to be some kind of conglomeration of different ideas out there. You're just going to have to experiment and figure it out. So, I mean, I think that's what a lot of people are afraid of is that they don't want to fucking think, man. That's what it comes down to. That's why we have these idiotic leaders in office because they don't want to think, and the people don't want to think, so we don't question anything. People just want to – I always hear people say they just want to 
do nothing. Like, oh, man, I just want to get through the day and then go do nothing. That's like the goal. I can't wait. <laughs> first, of all, first of all, that's, that's a that, – it's not possible. There's no such thing as doing nothing. Yeah. That was wasting your time. Even yeah. if you're sitting on your ass watching, watching the Kardashians or whatever, you're doing something. It's just not a great thing for most people. Okay? Now, if you're, now if you're Chris Jenner, it's a great thing. You know, she's in micro. She's watching her money grow. So well, again, watching, it depends. Individual results will vary. Okay. You're watching the Kardashians, thinking, man, that sex tape Kim put out was way more interesting than that. That's what you're thinking. <laughs> watch that show. <laughs> so, and then you're thinking to yourself, like, whatever happened to Ray J? <laughs> Hey, anyone have a copy of that Tommy Lee, Pamela Anderson? You know, for that you know, that's the kind of stuff that should be on reality TV. <laughs> it's the real reality here. No, it's true. it's true, though. It's like you want to sit around and watch garbage TV for four hours. Like, when you did something, you just did something really lame. Now, I always say with TV, okay, you're watching four hours of TV. And that's the average. Like, national averages show that the average person watches four hours. And the scary thing about that statistic is, that's the average, which means there's people who watch a lot more than that, like eight hours or more. Who the, hell, who the hell knows how much? Now, ask yourself this. Are you going to look back on TV viewing and want to tell that story to somebody? Like, oh, man, back in 1985, I was watching an episode of T.J. Hooker. No, no. Show sucks, man. <laughs> Hold on. You, you pulled T.J. Hooker out of your ass. <laughs> Yeah, I pulled that out a little bit too quickly, too. So. <laughs> so, uh, so not the best William Shatner work that you could come up with. Remember that Friday night where we had the Knight Rider party? You know? <laughs> 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 I mean, oh. You're not going to look back on your life and remember, even a really good show like Spartacus and 24, you know, like shows that we really like, you, you're going to, I mean, like, 24 feels like 10 years ago. Like, I've already forgotten all about that show. And you know what? Well, there's no way they can come out with a movie now. I mean, it's just when I was just thinking about that last night. I'm like, because I know they've been trying to like go back and forth and try to bring. I'm like, there, yeah. I'm just, I'm not interested now. It's done. Exactly. Yeah, now, Kiefer Sutherland, he's doing Touch, which is a softer version of Jack Bauer. Okay. Yep. It's it's like six cents meets twenty four. It's too many damn numbers. Let it go, Kiefer. Move <laughs> on, bro. <laughs> too little, too late, man. Nobody wants to see that movie now. You got and plus the, the the series ending was so lame that you don't even yep. want to see what happens next because of that. It's like how many cliches can you have in one season? But it's kind of like this, man. You want to make your own life exciting to the point where watching TV is like something you do every once in a while to unwind. You know, or maybe there's one good show you like, you know, whatever it is. But the point is, is that you watch that around your schedule rather than scheduling your life around the show. Like even our favorite show that we always talk about, Spartacus, I always noticed that you wouldn't watch it most Friday nights. Guess why? Because you have better things to do. So you watch it on Sunday or Monday or whenever you get around to it because – the cool thing about entertainment now is that you can watch it whenever it's, in it, whenever it's convenient for you. I mean, I remember, I remember back in the day, if you followed a show and you missed an episode, good luck yeah. seeing it ever again, man. I remember there, yeah, there was no DVD box sets, none of that matters. Like, you missed it. And what's so funny when you said that is, like, two nights ago, I happened to find, like, the very last episode of Arsenio on YouTube. <laughs> and I remember missing that last episode, and I was kind of pissed off about it back then. This was, like, 1994. <laughs> I was mad because I had to go study for a test, okay, because I was in school. <laughs> so I was pissed off, and then I just, I just read across the other night. I said, oh, it's the last episode of Arsenio. Let me check this out. 
So, and it's funny because you see all these people, like, where they now, like, where they are now compared to back then. They've shown all these different clips. I mean, Ellen was just getting off with her career. You saw, like, a skinny Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> you know, you saw Luther. He has so many stars on there that are no longer even alive right now. So it just made it a little nostalgic. But, again, back then, I just figured I would never, ever see that again. I just missed it. You know, so here it is, freaking almost 20 years later, and I just happen to run across it. That's the, that's the cool thing we have now, you know. So now when I don't see a movie or something like that when it comes out in the theaters, I don't sweat it. I'm just like, you know what, first of all, I'm going to save some money and just catch it when it comes on cable in about nine months, you know. So, or I can just go online somewhere and watch it for free. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel so bad about that anymore. Again, you get to dictate when you get to watch this stuff. You're not bound like, oh, I better watch this when it comes out in the theater, man. I don't, first of all, I don't even want to be at a theater on a Friday night right. anywhere. Because first of all, it's crowded. Second of all, nobody wants to shut the hell up. Everybody <laughs> wants to narrate the damn movie. And guess what? Stereotypes aside, it's not just a certain group of people. Everybody now wants to be the fucking narrator of movies. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, all the time, man. Like it, it, it's like permeated every race group now who wants to talk in the movies. There's no longer <laughs> like you know a couple young black ladies in the back of the row who keep talking about the movie. And now it's like you got grandma in the front row can't shut up. You got some red. No, it's like, you're about to die soon. Can you save your breath? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, it's too funny, man. It's way, it's way so, so, yeah, man. So, I guess what – see, this is the beauty of the podcast. We can go as long as we want. <laughs> but uh, I think we're going to save something for next week's show. So, I guess we could – I guess right now, man, what we can do is just let everybody know, like, what we got going on immediately yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, first of all, I know by the time you guys hear this show, all the mothers out there, you know, happy Mother's Day to you. So if it went for you, well, hell, me and this dude right here wouldn't even be on here talking crap. <laughs> so thank you, Mom. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms, absolutely. And, uh, Sincere, what do you have coming up? Do you have any workshops or you got any products you have coming out, anything you're working yeah. on? Oh, yeah, man. The next workshop, the next major workshop I have coming up is with our friend Ken Blackburn. We're going to be in Chicago, and that's coming up on May 18th and 19th. It's a two-day workshop. We're going to be doing it over at Phenomenal Fitness over at my man Sean Armstead's gym. It's right there in the heart of Chicago, man, right off, like right by, like, Lakeshore Drive. It's right off of Michigan Avenue. So it's going to be really cool, man, to get back to Chicago and – we're going to be going over joint mobility, kettlebells, bodyweight training, and even mindset, which is some, a new component we've added, a champion mindset, because I have to give it to Ken. He's, I mean, I'm a part of his kettlebell sports team, and I have to tell you that, yeah, the training is very important, but just this guy has just the, the NLP aspect of just really helping you dig deep and pull out, you know, all your talents to make things happen. He has this gift, man, of pulling us out of just about anyone that's come in contact with him. And I was like, dude, we got to – there's so many athletes out there that pretty much, you know, some people just kind of go through the motions like we talked about. They go, they work out, they just kind of go through it, and next thing you know, they're not interested anymore. So, but the, Ken has this, this ability to make you really, like, dig deep and like, oh, man, you, you just look at the game, like, way differently. You just really look at, you start looking at your, your training more like a chess match, you know. So you look like, okay, what can I, what can I achieve this round? Or didn't know that was going to happen. So you get all this different momentum. So it just really makes it fun to get back in the gym whether you're training for an actual event or, or you're just doing it just you're just training for life. So we're definitely adding that aspect to it. So that's going to be fun in Chicago to do that, man. And um, that's like the first – that's the next major workshop for me. Uh, kind of scaling back because of just another business venture I'm doing right now. I know you and I talked about this. So, so but, yeah, it's 
this one's been a long time coming. So that's what's up next for me, plus just a couple other projects that I'll speak on in upcoming shows, you know, once they're becoming a little bit more final. So what about yourself, man? I know you get ready to hop over to the U.K., right? Yeah, I am. I'm going to teach two courses, two weekends worth of courses in the U.K. One's going to be in West Midlands, and the other will be in Northampton. So I'm, I'm actually going to fly into London but teach in other parts of the U.K. I'm going to do the aggressive strength system courses, which is more intermediate and covers kettlebell training, joint mobility, body weight exercises, hormone optimization lectures, et cetera. So it's a pretty comprehensive offering, and both courses are filled up. I think I have maybe one or two spots for West Midlands. The Northampton course, I'm pretty sure, is sold out. So those, those both events are locked and loaded. And then I'm going to be heading back out to Europe in August. I'm going to teach in Holland for the first time, Amsterdam, which will be a great city. So I'm looking forward to going back there and having a good time. And also I just put together something in Germany, which I'll be adding to my website for the following weekend. So this will be August 11th, Holland. And then the following weekend, I believe the 17th, will be in Frankfurt, Germany. So another European tour. And I really like teaching overseas. It's a lot of fun to take my brand around the world. I've done it around the U.S. Now I'm taking it around the world. It's really interesting to see how people train in different countries because they all have their own little unique twist on it. It's fun to be around people that are really enthusiastic about coming to a course, really getting into it. It kind of reminds me of how the workshop market was in the U.S. when I first started. It was just more – people were more fired up about coming to a course than they are now where – now there's so many courses, people are a little bit more jaded. So the U.S. Yeah. is a little bit tougher, in my opinion, or even a lot tougher than a lot of other countries where people are just hungry. Just, I mean, they, they can't wait for you to come out there and just soak in every ounce of the information you're giving. They just eat it up. So that's a pleasure to work with. And then my testosterone booster is finally back in stock. It was on back order. Two times it went on back order. I, the first batch I got in, I sold that out in two weeks. It was ridiculous. And then I got another order in, and that was sold out before it even came in. So it went on back order again. So I had to place a huge order this time, and that one's already 25% sold out. So now I'm already looking into placing my next order. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not complaining, folks. You know, these are, I'm yeah, it's a good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm happy you guys are loved. The feedback has been great. I'm using it. I'm loving it. I know, Sincere, you're using it. You're loving it. The feedback I'm getting is that from a lot of guys consistently is sex drive goes through the roof where you feel like you're 18 again, and your wife or girlfriend is either loving me or hates me. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the, big, that's, the big, that's the first big thing you notice with the testosterone booster is that usually within the first week or two, your sex drive goes way up. For some people, the first couple of days. And then all of a sudden, you notice that your mental focus is good, your mood is good, your workouts are awesome, you're ready to kill it. It's a fun fun supplement to take, man. For anyone who wants to get a boost in testosterone and lower estrogen and increase dopamine for your brain health and just get more out of everything you're trying to do, whether it's your sex life or your workouts, whatever it is, it's a fun product to take. So check out my website, mikemahler.com. Go take a look at all the information I have, everything you need to know about this product. I mean, everything is on the info page. So read through it first, then email me if you have any questions. Chances are your question is going to be answered there. I wanted to give you as much research as you need so you can make a decision whether it's a good fit for you. And what's cool about my supplement line is that when you buy a supplement for me, whether it's my recovery oil or my testosterone booster, you have a direct line to me, the guy who actually created the product. No other supplement company that I'm aware of does this where you can actually talk to the guy who made the supplement directly, ask him questions, 
and he can help you dial in the dose so that you get the most out of the product. Right. And there's always going to be non-responders or people who just don't get the results they really wanted. That's going to happen. So I'm, I always so I offer a money-back guarantee with any supplement I carry. So you try it for 30 days, and you decide, you know what, I just didn't get that much out of it. No problem. I'm not going to make you fill out a questionnaire. I'm not going to make you call up an operator and answer a bunch of embarrassing questions. Just right. tell, me, tell me you didn't like it, and I'll help you arrange for a full refund, and that's the end of it. So check out that stuff on my website, my recovery oil, which is transdermal magnesium zinc MSM, really good for both men and women for recovery and making sure your magnesium zinc levels are optimal. My testosterone booster for men only, great products. And I've got a couple more supplements I'm working on. I'm working on a systemic enzyme, which will basically be enzymes with ginger as a way to lower inflammation. I should be able to get that out in the next month or two. And I'm working on a, an adrenal health formula. And... I have one or two more ideas, but I'm going to fine-tune those a little bit further before I blab on about that. So I'm coming out. I always want to come out with supplements that I use personally and have benefited from and then lead with that. Because if you're thinking about selling supplements out there, you want to make sure that you're selling stuff that you use and that you've benefited from. Don't just sell anything that sounds good. Make sure that you have a personal testimonial with it and then lead with that. And, and sh- at least show it, too. That's one thing I do like about it. Like, if you go on, on your site and go to the testosterone booster, if they scroll down, they can actually see, like, your, your results from your test, your hormone, you know, your hormone test. So you have your hormone panel right there. So, you know, a lot of people talk that crap, but, you know, they never really, really, really truly used it or truly understood if it really worked for them or not. Well, you have the proof of the pudding right there, along with testimonials from, every, you know, Real folks, you can just make that up. Like people can actually go and find these people, like myself, <laughs> you know. So, so that, that's, the, that's the beauty in all this, which makes the difference between what you're doing with your supplement line and what all the other supplement lines out for the most part in this industry what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think so. I think we'll wrap up there. And what we'll do is I think next time we have a, we have a, I mean we have so many interesting ideas. And as you can as you can tell from this show, it's it's going to be this is what it's going to be like, folks. It's going to be a conversation. And what I mean by that is, you know, we're going to be talking about all kinds of stuff. So if if you're looking for a show where we're going to talk about how to do three sets of ten on the squat and then do swings afterwards, you're not going to like this show because that's boring for us to talk about. It's going to be boring. Like this, like like we said. If we don't find it interesting, you're not going to find it interesting. So what we want to supply is good conversation, and we're definitely going to talk about training in future episodes. We'll talk about mental toughness training, which is something you and I both do. I think it would be interesting for people to hear our individual takes and how we do that and how to use training to improve your mindset to get more out of other facets of life, things like that. So, I mean, training will definitely be a strong component. We'll talk about hormones, nutrition, personal development stuff. All kinds of interesting things will come up. But I think the way to make this show interesting is to make it organic where we have a conversation like we had today. So exactly. that's, that's what's going to attract. And so if you like what you heard today, you know, that's, it's going to be like that, but it's going to get better because we're going to get more experience doing this, and then it's just going to become a much better show. But you know, if, there's things you want to, if, you, if there's things you want to hear about, like if you want to hear me talk about hormones more or brain health or you want to hear Sincere talk more about some of his personal development strategies or, or whatever it is, let us know because we'll definitely cover those things. And also I think we'll probably start having Q&A shows too where we basically just get a, take a bunch of questions from listeners and then just cruise through those things, whether it's a fitness business question or a workout question or a personal development question or a fitness health, health and fitness question. It doesn't matter. We'll go through all that. 
And then I think also both you and I are really interested in different, different charitable causes. So I think we can start bringing awareness to those things as we go on. So eventually we're going to start having a lot of guests on the show. It's not going to just be me and sincere every week for the next five years. We'll definitely do that a lot too, because it's fun for both of us to talk to each other. But we, we know so many interesting people. I don't just mean fitness people. I mean, people that are doing really courageous things in the world, like people that are getting stuff done to, piece, to, to really simplify it. I want to get people on the show that are making things happen, whatever it is, because that's interesting. Yeah. People that are living interesting lives and making things happen. So we're going to, Expect to have a lot of really good, interesting guests as the show progresses. Exactly, man. So, so there you go, folks. If you want to just check more of our stuff out, you know, between this broadcast and the next one, you know, hop over to Mike's site. Like you said earlier, it's MikeMarler.com. Uh, you can hop over to mine, NewWarriorTraining.com. That's NewWarriorTraining.com. And then the fan page, you know, we're getting that all together there. So you guys can also go and go to the Live Life Aggressively podcast website. Well, fan page. Um, so you can post there as well. So other than that, man, this is great. Not bad for episode one. Not bad at all. And by the way, last thing, women, don't send me any plain emails about that whole rejection line I just gave. <laughs> don't set yourself up for another rejection, okay? Yeah, yeah, this is some serious rejection for me when I delete and double delete your email. <laughs> oh, man. All right, folks, there you go right there until our next broadcast. This is the Live Life Aggressively podcast with Sincere Hogan and the man Mike Marler. Thank you all for tuning in. Stay tuned for much, much more. Have a good one. Peace.